Hi, I'm Charlie, and I'm going to talk about where ice cream goes to die. Hi, I'm Gina, and I'm going to tell you why it may be beneficial to have Mother Teresa on your flight. Hi, I'm Chris, and I'm going to tell you how the laundry was closed for the used borrowed clothes. What do all these things have to do with the word travel? Find out in this week's History Bluffs. The Armchair Historical Society is proud to present History Bluffs, where truth is stranger than fiction. Now, welcome to the show. It's your host, it's Alan. Hey! Welcome to another episode of History Bluffs. Want to thank our armchair historians who introduced you earlier. Let's get a round of applause for those armchair historians. There it is. Thank you. And also, uh, let's also thank our unseen hero, Adam Artek. Yes! Oh, thank you. Oh, please. Oh, Thank you, thank you. That Hi, Alan. How you doing? In no way self-serving because it's the tech who queued that up. Well done, Adam. Thank you, Adam, for <laughs> all you. of the tech you do. I know from experience that it is much easier. Uh, that it is much harder than it looks. Is what I say. <laughs> it, 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 I'm not particularly good <laughs> at it, and I, will, I still have much to learn about how to do it right. But thank you, Tech Adam, for being here today. How are you doing, Adam? I'm good. Good. I'm good. Feeling live. I'm getting ready. You know, it's uh, it's December. It's the end of the year. So it's everything feels like it's bookmarking together. It's good. Feeling good. Good, good, good. It's well, you know, it's also a big travel time. And that is our topic for today. The topic is travel. And thank you, uh, Charlie. You, you, you're excited, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to Chicago this weekend. I'm hey, now, there's some the traveling. <laughs> Awesome. Ah. Anything on the agenda for Chicago? Lots of random improv. Well, that's <laughs> exactly what I would do there, too. Exactly. Uh, be sure to random sure by to hit definition. Up one of our historians, Carlos. He's in downtown oh, yeah. Chicago, so he might even give you some some tips on what to see when you're out there. Ooh, that's fun. Gina, what's uh, what, what, what's happening in your neck of the woods? Uh, for the holidays or for traveling or as for of, what do you as think? of the near future? I am currently planning my gag gifts for my brothers right now. So uh, each year we play practical jokes on each other. Um, This year uh, we always give uh, weird gifts and like surprises. Like last year I took their whole family picture and I re I, juxtaposed all of our faces on it and rehung it in their house so that they didn't notice until they noticed stuff like that so i got it gets bigger and better and more like crazy each year so i'm working on that right now and that fact. sounds fun nice yeah. uh, chris what about you what's what's new in your world uh well i just uh had a a um a travel experience coming home from work just a second ago actually uh <laughs> oh where um travel trying to mute to get settled in time to be on this show and uh and and lo and behold the construction crew has one lane of course it's the turning lane that i need at a light they have that lane blocked off about a quarter of a mile early including underneath an overpass um that there's no need to block it off that far in advance when you're 
you know, you're not doing the work for a qu another quarter of a mile. And it's just, it, so anyway, so I just had some, uh, a, a foreshadowing, hopefully not of, of, uh, <laughs> some, uh, upcoming seasonal traffic, but we'll deal with that. It's all fine. I'm here. I'm good. I'm ready to go. Well, welcome. And this is why we, uh, we, this is one of the advantages of telecommuting. So we can all meet, we can watch our shows, we can, <laughs> uh, we can interact with each other online, and we don't have to deal with the traffic on the road. Except because... except he did have to deal with traffic. Well, that's true. you got to get to the camera <laughs> yeah. where your console is. And, and there's like internet, there, there's internet traffic, yes. sometimes that slows you down. Can so slow yeah, you down Alan, too. I don't think that what you said was accurate. All I just right. you know what? There, there's a ton of problems with. He's already bluffing. He's already right, bluffing. Right. You found me out. I am this. Commuting online is not the way to go. Never mind. Face-to-face <laughs> -to -face contact is the way to be. All right. So anyway, let's get started. Okay, we're gonna start. Oh, you know what? We need rules. Every oh game show God. has its rules, right, Adam? Yes, it does, Alan. We've got some rules for the show. Here, I'm going to throw out the rules card. Tell them how it's done. I will tell you, for those of you listening on iTunes, Spotify, or other random podcast media, uh, there are historians who are inspired by the topic, and the true stories have to be completely factual. The bluff story is, the, by the premise, completely fictional and no audience help is allowed. So if you're out there right now watching us live on the YouTubes, please mm -hmm. uh, keep actual factual information to yourselves because we don't want to know who's bluffing and who's the buff till the end of the show. And right. the way we start our show, oh, we, and we time all of our rounds. Isn't that right, Adam? That's right. And you can't just go on forever. No, you can't. The, we, want, we, we respect your time as a viewer, mm -hmm. as a listener. We want you to be respected. So we're going to try to keep it under 75 seconds for round one. And under... What, am, am I right, right about that, Car, uh, Carlos? No, Adam! Not, uh, I could be Carlos. Ra I is round two impression. a full 60 seconds? Am I sure wrong? Sure is. All you right, got and it right, then, Alan. And then round three is less than that, what, 45? The dreaded 45 okay, second Okay, I remember correctly. All right, and I think that's it. That's all you need to know. That's it. That's it. So um, we have three rounds. And Adam, the first round is, what? what is that called? Round one. <laughs> That's, I should have known that. I don't know why I even asked. All right, so what we're going to do is start with our uh, top square there, with the, which is Charlie. Charlie, we're going to put... Whoa, was that a... <laughs> that sounded that like me. a shotgun That's... cocking. Oh, no, okay. That was me cocking no a pressure, shotgun. No oh, my God. Gina... Charlie's story apart. Gina's it's a, a violent true game show. Italian woman got the shotgun. Always at the ready. <laughs> uh, Charlie, <laughs> we're going to give you uh, 90 seconds. Am I right about that? No, 75. <laughs> 75. Holy cannoli. You, you, know what, Alan, you know what I'm going to do for you, Alan? Tell you me. don't even have to worry about numbers. I'm going to make a little rotating sundial timer for you. Oh, let's do you that. Know. Throw that up on the screen there, Adam. Okay, here it goes, Charlie. Adam's job <laughs> is to keep us in, on track because he made those little things on the top for yeah. us to keep track of the rounds. Like, if we didn't have Adam, this show would die. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we? How long? It's I'll tell you what, Charlie. without Adam. 
Right. Yeah. Charlie, you get 75 show. seconds, Adam, and you'll yeah, know exactly yours. how much time you have by that little sundial that Adam's going to throw up on the screen, and you're going to start right now. Well, I'd like to start my uh, my speech. I don't know what it is. Uh, uh, with a little poem. Uh, apologies to the meat puppets. But here we go. Uh, where does ice cream go when it dies? It doesn't go to Mexico where it's fried. It goes to the city of Waterbury and dies. Won't see it again even on the 4th of July. That's right. Uh, when I was looking up travel, uh, I was looking up uh, places that people like to go. And I found out that there's this really weird place in Vermont where they go, where, where Ben and Jerry's has a cemetery for all the old ice cream flavors that they no longer produce. Okay. Wow. Uh, each flavor has, has a headstone. It's got like a witty little message on it. It's got a birthday and a death date right there on top of it. Uh, they, they formed this originally in 1997 with four flavors, Dastardly Marsh, uh, sorry, Dastardly Mash, Economic Crunch, Ethan Alamode, or Ethan Almond, and Tuskegee Chunk. Okay. Wow. First of all, some, some music education you threw in there, Charlie. Is that is that correct that it was the Meat Puppets that uh, Nirvana puppets, covered yeah, in the, in the 90s? Yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yes, I think the Nirvana version is probably the the most commercially successful version of that uh, that song. Am I right? And and just fantastic. I mean, it it's such a perfect Nirvana song that you're like, oh, this is by somebody else uh, off their uh, MTV Unplugged <laughs> album. Yes. All right. Well, we went way off the topic there. That's, that's um, a weird. Album but let's title. hear from our other historians. Gina, what did you think of Charlie's story? Well, first of all, I love Ben and Jerry's. Second of all, like like Beanie Babies, they do have like stories and birthdays and things like that on their stupid packages. So it's plausible. I've never heard of it, but it's plausible. And I also am curious, like I have a couple of flavors that I want to look up now. Perhaps they've been they've been uh, cremated and put into the cemetery. Oh, Man. oh. <laughs> a boom. Wow. Wow. Thank Good you, job, Adam, well with that rim shot. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Well, um, I, I think it is interesting conceptually to have an ice cream cemetery. If you were going to have one, it, of course, would be in Vermont because of Ben and Jerry's. We all know that they are from up there. However, however, my flag went up when he said the the uh, the flavor economic crunch i mean like you mean like a, like a rising environment or a rising inflationary environment that we're in right now uh i think that charlie just took a, some headlines and said all right let me let me try to craft this bluff story uh and make it sound believable so i'm on to you charlie oh a rice crispy crunch or a credit crunch we don't know the difference yet <laughs> but we might later on uh, all right, so that's enough of the grilling of Charlie's story. So <laughs> we're going to move on to another story by uh, uh, Ms. Gina. Are you ready? Hi. Yeah, oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Gina, um, we're going to give you a full 75 seconds. Try to respect it. And we're going to show you the sundial <laughs> right now. Whatever. <laughs> all right. 
So I too shall start with a quote. Um, All journeys have secret destinations of which the traveler is unaware. Um, That's by a gentleman named Martin Buber, and he has nothing to do with the story, but it's a beautiful quote. I wanted to copy Charlie. Um, this is this is a fun story. So this gentleman and a, and a female friend, they were visiting uh, the Himalaya kingdom of Bhutan. And uh, they had one day left on their trip. And they had a choice between either going to visit Mother Teresa, uh, a very noble quest, or to go to an orphanage uh, to just uh, visit and help out and volunteer for the day. Uh, but what was interesting is they got to do both in one day because when they went to the orphanage, uh, they mentioned their... their um, want and uh, to visit Mother Teresa. And the orphanage said, you know, if you go up that little hill over there, there is a small, there's a small house and there's a cross on the door. And if you knock, if she's not praying, she may actually see you. So they knocked on the door, um, MC, the, the letters MC were written on the, on the door right beneath the cross. Uh, and the, um, they knocked on the door and uh, they were led to a back room where Mother Teresa indeed was praying, but she took about an hour to stop and talk with them. Uh, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that encounter and what happened next in my next rounds. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Chris, what did you think of uh, Gina's story there in the Himalayas? Well, Gina's, Gina's story of, uh, of MC Teresa dropping the mic. Um I, uh, what, what, what popped up in my immediate, uh, flag went up when she, the guy's name was Boo Bear, as in like lovey dovey Boo Bear. But, and then she, then the other name was Bhutan. And I'm just saying, at least she didn't call the guy Louis Bhutan because I just would have been like, wait a minute, I'm out. I almost called the other guy Michael Buble, but since his real name wasn't Buble. <laughs> oh, God. Fair. All right, Charlie, what's your take on this? Well, I was just going to say that she was accidentally quoting Michael Bublé, but that that's already been said. Um, my, my, I want to know about the rules. If she makes up a quote, does that mean her story might be completely real? Or like, like how much of the story needs to be fake for it to actually count as a fake? Uh, I don't know, well, Alan. In the rules, it is 100% true is the, the truth. So at the very least, we, we should assume that Gina's attempting to be a hundred percent true. So she's not intentionally lying. If she is in unintentionally being false. <laughs> okay. That's, that's what I understand. Okay. 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 Yeah, me too. That's how okay. I understand it. All too, right. Alan. Yes. So okay. Chris, Gina's let's trying. raise some flags. <laughs> Gina's trying one way or the other. She's trying, <laughs> uh, Chris, we haven't heard your story yet. So Chris, <laughs> we're going to give you a full 75 <laughs> seconds on the sundial right now. All right. I'm excited about this topic. I'm excited about this story. So I apologize in advance if my excitement makes me talk fast. But the FIFA FIFA World Cup is going on right now. It's the most widely viewed sporting event in the world. It's known as soccer in the U.S., but of course it's football in the rest of the world. And team kits or, you know, the matching jerseys, the the cleats, the the shin pads, the socks, uh, it's become a multi-billion dollar industry. The game of football is generally considered to date back all the way to mob games played in England in the Middle Ages between rural rival villages without any rules and with unlimited players on each side. And as you might guess, uh, matches usually turned extraordinarily violent. In the mid-1800s, um, public schools began drawing up a set of rules, but matches still descended into chaos because they couldn't come to a consensus. However, the first professional football club Sheffield in South Yorkshire created in the 1850s. Ten years later, Scotland gets its own professional club. It's called Queen's Park, and it's in the city of Glasgow. And 
these two groups became the first professional clubs. And there were still you know, many school clubs and, and, and team clubs all around each region. But in round two, we will discover how this fledgling rivalry between professional clubs would create an entire industry. Traveling over to Europe, I see, Chris. Uh, Wow, unlimited amounts of team uh, members of soccer would be an interesting sport to watch. Charlie, what do you think of his tale? Well, I think that anytime you move uh, away from America, you uh, instantly have the ability to make up whatever you want because, you know, we don't know anything from outside this country anyways. So um, he could easily just be lying and go, oh, it's set in uh, England. Yeah, that's it. They have soccer or football. Uh, but honestly, football is a bigger sport than that, I thought. It seems weird that it started in England to me. Oh, okay. Uh, Gina, what do you say? Well, I think that the mobs originally came from Italy, so I'm not really sure how it made its way to England to start um, this whole thing. I mean, I do agree that anytime you get as many mob members involved in one space, it can turn chaotic. So that part of his story is very plausible. I am not sure, though, because I feel like I know this history of soccer, but I'm not sure if I do for sure based on that. But some of it's plausible and some of it's not, so I reserve the right to vote for round two. Mm. I know they're making they're getting too good at this because if I'm not the liar, which I know I'm not, then, you know, those guys. Well, just to clarify, Gina, I don't think an angry mob is necessarily mafia. So, oh, oh, sorry. I just hear mob. Yeah. Immediately where my head goes. I'm sorry. We figured there are some Anglos out there that might not think that way. I get it. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Well, I see all of our historians have been able to go for round one, so I think it's time for the second round. Round two. Yes, that's right. It is called round two, and in round two, we will have our second square go first. That is Gina. Gina, we need some more details about this Mother Teresa Himalayan adventure right now. Okay. Um, So Mother Teresa says the profound words that God works in mysterious ways to this gentleman before he departs. He only gets like an hour with her and he finds out a little bit about some of her missionary work. Uh, He finds out or she finds out that he's a little bit of a volunteer where he's from in England. Um, And he goes up, he goes his way. uh, It's his last day in town. So he makes his way to the airport. Um, He goes to the front counter, finds out that his flight is delayed. um, And then he notices a Greek woman, the woman that had been standing behind him, makes her way to the counter finds out her flight is delayed as well and the greek woman her name is jenny starts to get really pissed off and she's complaining that she doesn't get on her flight and she she complains that they now have to wait until four in the morning to board and so um the the uh the subject of my story just goes and falls asleep. The Jenny goes and falls asleep. Hours later, Jenny tugs on this guy's uh, shirt and says she really, she saw Mother Teresa at the airport and she really wants to go meet her. He, she had heard his story that he'd met her before and could he introduce her to Mother Teresa? And you'll find out what happens next. Okay, we will. Chris, what do you say? Gina is buffing or bluffing? Oh, man, I tell you what, uh, you know, God works in mysterious ways. Are we supposed to believe that Mother Teresa is the one that said that? I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those like most widely used, let yet least cited quotes. And, and uh, 
So that is just, you know, a question mark for me. Um, and then, and then, you know, this Greek woman named Jenny, as in Jenny from the hood, Jenny from the hood, she's just living in the middle of Athens or whatever. But I, so if, you know, she said her name was like Jennyopolis or something, that's a little more Greek. I might believe that a little bit more. No, no, no. She was Jenny from the rock instead of Jenny from the block. Well done. It's a big rock. Charlie, what do you think? Well, I was confused. Wasn't the guy there with a woman, but then he went to see Mother Teresa without that woman? Oh, yeah. The woman, I'm sorry, they went separate ways in the airport. So Jenny is a whole nother woman. The, the, so the, Jenny is not related to the very first part of the story. What I can see where that's confusing. What happened to the first well, lady? She, she flew back. Her flight was on time. She left. She's but gone. Did, she go to, did she go to Mother Teresa? You only mentioned the guy. When no, no. She was person. with the guy at Mother Teresa, but she did not she see Mother Teresa in the airport. Okay. He'd already flown home. This guy's flight was delayed. Good questions, though. These are good. Charlie, she flew away on a red herring. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to break my snare drum. Hey, now. (laughs) All right. Well, it's time. I think, Chris, we're going to give you a shot. I want want to hear some more details. This is not Chris. Okay. Okay. Uh, Chris, you're going to get that uh, cannon shot right now and start it up. You got it. So, all right. We have... England with Sheffield and Scotland has Queen's Park, um, and they quickly uh, easily became the best clubs in their respective regions. Um, And it wasn't long before travelers from each of those cities would run into each other around the rest of the UK, and they would be bragging about their clubs. And as you might guess, brawls frequently broke out. This was a very violent sport time at the time, you know, supporters. That's where hooligans came from and all that stuff. But the Sheffield team was made up of mostly gentlemen and army officers. The Queen's Park side was um, it was basically a much wider cross-section of society. Um, and in short order, a match was set up between these two dominant teams. Um, and for the first four years of the rivalry, each home team won two matches. But in all four years, a huge brawl erupted with players, coaches, fans after each match because they despised each other. In year five, Queen's Park traveled down to Yorkshire because they decided to travel in a day early, and we'll tell you what happened in round number three. Mm. Interesting. Gina, what do you think? Well, I think that the Sheffield team could have really cinched this up very quickly and just started arresting the team people from the other team since they were the police or the Bobbies and the other team were the real people. See, that's what I think. So I think that they could have really used their power to, to get what they wanted here. Instead, they let it play out naturally. And I'm curious to see how the third round plays out to see if it naturally will also not be a bluff or will it? I don't know. Well, what do you think, Charlie? Is this, is well, this a bluff? I want to see what uh, Chris's television schedule was like because I'm pretty sure Sheffield is like the last name of the the family the nanny nannies for. (laughs) And so he's just pulling that from his TV watching. I get it. Okay. I get it. The most famous from 30 years ago. (laughs) Sheffield was the nanny family. Yes. All right. Some people know baseball and they would say that's a a famous name as well. But I don't know. Charlie. Can I give Charlie points for that trivia fact from the 1980s or 90s, whenever that was? <laughs> that was, that was uh, mid to early 90s. Yes, yes. Give him, give him some props. Absolutely. <laughs> you get some like props <laughs> for knowing your TV trivia for Fran Drescher's career. All right. So we've got two uh, history historians have already s- said their tale for round two. That means we got one more historian to go. 
for uh, this. I, I think that's uh, Charlie. Charlie, let's hear more mm -hmm. about the meat puppets and the ice cream. And uh, you get to go now. All right. Um, the, so over the years, since 1997, uh, the the graveyard has grown to more than 39 flavors. Uh, they even they they high you know they hold these things in high regard. In fact, when what a cluster had its funeral, they actually filmed it and put it on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube, you can see the funeral for what a cluster. Uh, we're talking about travel. So every year, over 350,000 people visit this graveyard. Um, if you were wondering of some of the flavors that might be there, holy cannolis there, fossil fuel is there, peanut butter and jelly is there, bovinity <laughs> divinity is there, uh, coffee, coffee, buzz, buzz, buzz is a flavor that's still there, uh, cowberry kaboom. And Cool Britonia is uh, just some of the names of the retired ice cream flavors there. Fascinating. Gina, any opinions on dead ice cream flavors, i.e. holy cannoli? I think this is a very fun game that we all can play at home. What are some fun ways to do? Oh, I don't know. We could call it Justice of the Peas and Carrots or something like that. That's the Forrest Gump brand. Like, I feel like he's just, like, we are clever, funny, historical storytellers. We can come up with this stuff on our own. I call BS. Boom. Charlie's the bluff. Oh, wow. I know. I just said it out loud as I was talking. And it sounded right. But I don't know, though, because there is one more round. So. Nothing is, is more, more flavorful for ice cream than peas and carrots. <laughs> yeah. Yuck. All right, Chris, what do you think? Yuck. Well, I think Gina's on to something there. You know, I, I was just enamored with uh, these wild flavor names that Charlie was coming up with. And uh, I, I agree. It's, this is just a really fun way to bluff your way through uh, a History Bluffs episode. It just create a whole bunch of uh, you know, uniquely sounding and, and, and funny combinations of names that, that may or may not be uh, actual flavors that were Ben and Jerry's <laughs> because, you know, um, I, I don't remember all the Ben and Jerry's flavors that there were. So it could be plausible, um, but it also could be a very fun bluff. Yes, it really is. I mean, mm. I really believe, I want to believe they have these funerals. I do. And if you're bluffing, Charlie, I'm mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe we'll start our own company and we'll start burying ice cream flavors that are unsuccessful. If that's not true. Uh, is Ben and, is Jan and Barry. No, I don't know. Never mind. There's some <laughs> we'll figure it out later. We'll figure it out later. Maybe after we're done with round three. <laughs> We are right. here. We are here. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? We, uh, let's see. We didn't start with Gina in any given round. Is that right, Gina? Correct. So you get yes. to start round three right now. Oh, okay. You get, uh, what is it, 45 seconds, Adam? 45 or one sundial. Or one sundial. <laughs> it's so, always yeah. one sundial. Remember, Gina, this is less than a minute. I got this. I got there this. There we go. Got this. You get okay. to start right now. So, the four in the morning flight 
boards. Mother Teresa is on there, along with many other nuns that she brought with her from her MC, which stands for Missionary Charities. Um, she also, uh, uh, Jenny was on the flight. Steve, the guy that the story is about, was on the flight. Uh, he went to the bathroom. When he came out, he noticed that Mother Teresa had made a makeshift confessional in uh, first class, and that and she had she was seeing everybody on the plane. And the reason for that is, well, um, while Steve was in the bathroom, they found out that the original plane that they were all supposed to be on crashed in Bombay. And then they were all together on this plane, all safe and sound. The other part of Mother Teresa's advice also became apparent in this moment. Time is short, so much to do, so little time. You will know what to do and when. And Steve started an orphanage when he got back to England. How cool is that? The end. Wow. That is some wrap up there. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Oh, Gina. Well, I think it's great. Are you, ask, are you asking me? I'm asking what Chris uh, thinks of Gina's story. Oh, Chris. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, Gina. Uh, I think we know what you think of your story, Gina. Uh, uh, Jenny, <laughs> Jenny and, and and Mother Teresa, a confessional in first class. I don't believe Mother Teresa would be sitting in first class if she was on this plane because she was all about doing all her stuff. And, and living a life of poverty, I, you know, I know. Uh, I'm pretty sure that priests hear confessions in a confessional. I'm, I, I maybe nuns do as well. I don't know, but but uh, the, the whole the Mother Teresa in first class, red flag. I, I'm ooh, very leery. Okay, fair. I like that's a really good point. I thought the same thing, and I couldn't figure that part out either. I'm just going to tell you that too. It concerned. I was like, hmm, they live a vow of poverty, in my opinion. But maybe they had to bump somebody. Well, when you make it up, it can be whatever excuse you want. <laughs> hey, Charlie. I always the implication. Hold on, okay, Charlie. First all, let's first let's get all, some more detail. Chris, red flags, shouldn't they be yellow cards? Uh, <laughs> I'm glad Gina, Gina finally circled back to the MC thing. We were wondering about that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, um, she answered the big question I had because Mother Teresa is MT. And uh, so I, why was it an MC? Uh, it, it's Mother a little freaky. Um, yes, yes, exactly. Um, I just don't understand why Gina's not using last names. Like if these, <laughs> if this is such a famous story, why is it not? Why is it Steve and Jenny? You know, why is it not, you know, Steve Wachowitz and Jenny? I don't know. It's Steve Zickman, but I don't know Mother Teresa's last name. You think I don't, you, <laughs> I didn't even look that part up. Oh, Teresa, was her last name. Mother's her first name. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Le- legally changed on her. Like Madonna. I don't know. <laughs> well, okay. All right. Well, let's uh, right. let's move on. We need another historian here for round three. Uh, how about this, Charlie? You're going to go next, and we're going to okay. wrap up your uh, ice cream graveyard story right now. All right. Well, there's a there's almost forty flavors that are in the graveyard. I'm not going to go through all of them. I'm not going to tell you all of their birth or death dates. Uh, But I do want to mention one very special one. It's called Dublin Mudslide. And uh, this is one that uh, had been killed off a while ago, but was (laughs) resurrected by an online poll on the website. If you go to Jen and Barry's, Jen Jen and Barry's, see, I got it. Uh, Ben and Jerry's website, you can uh, choose a flavor to come back and sometimes they do. Uh, I started this with a poem, so I want to end this with a poem that was off of one of the gravestones. Fans of the flick about a gawky high schooler thought the flavor we made could have been a lot cooler. Gosh, if we'd been quicker at reading their thoughts, we'd have realized they wanted a flavor with tots. 
Neapolitan Dynamite, 2006 to 2010. Oh. <laughs> Neapolitan Dynamite, a nice ode to the John Heater classic. Uh, Chris, what do you think? I am pretty sure that Charlie got lost in his details. I thought he said in round two a different number that than 40 that were in the cemetery. So, uh, and then Dublin mudslide would, uh, there, I know there's a drink called the Mississippi mudslide. Um, I, I think Dublin, unless it's Dublin, Ohio, I think if it was named after Dublin, Ireland, it would have some sort of, you know, other name. Um, and, and the fact that they made it come back from the dead, wouldn't they call it like luscious Lazarus or something like that? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Not a bad title. Maybe that'll be a future grave site uh, name there. Gina, what do you think? <laughs> well, I think I'd like to give a poem too. Here lies good old Fred. A great big rock fell on his head. You want to know where that's from? It's from a grave Mother outside Teresa, of the Disney haunted, the haunted houses. Uh-huh. Yes. And so, like, my theory is like whether or not uh, Charlie's story is true, I feel like they have the same writing team. That's all. <laughs> yeah. What is it about gravestones that have to rhyme? I don't understand. Like, does I, don't I want mine too. Yeah. I'm just putting it out there. I would like mine too. You all think of something good. I'll let you know. It'll yeah. Be try to rhyme with Daroma. <laughs> hey. The only thing, the yeah, only oh. thing, as children, the teenage children told me my whole life is aroma, aroma, aroma. Aww. Gina, I, Gina, I have one for you. Gina, I have one for you. Gina. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Gina was a history bluff. She made all her stories up. Uh, now she lied here and she loved flowers, and now she's pushing them up. Hey, yeah. oh, there it is. Hey. All right. Is that rhyming up with up? It, we'll take it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's still rhymes. It's still rhymes. Oh, we have so one more histor- historian to go. We have one more oh, historian to go. Do. I think, Chris, you haven't gone this round, have you? Correct. No, I have not. All right, yeah. Chris, you're going to wrap up our game here, and we're going to find out the truth, or are we, about FIFA Ooh. soccer. Yes, and specifically travel kits. Um, the the uniforms for away because uh, the Sheffield was livid that Queens Park had come in early. They traveled early. It was they broke protocol, um, and they were even more angry when they heard that the Scots had changed their jerseys and were wearing the same white and red uh, uniforms that they had. So they confronted Queens Park at the local pub the night before when they came in. Um, as you'd expect, a brawl broke out, and everybody, you know, dozens of people were injured. Um, and and they back then they wore their uniforms when they traveled. So the Queens Park jerseys were covered in blood and beer and all this stuff after the brawl. But the local laundry was closed for the night. The only thing they found was a sweater shop. They had to borrow 25 matching sweaters for a choir, and they used them for uniforms the next day. And for the first time, the away team won. After that, they started wearing them all the time. They traveled, became travel kits, and an industry was born. Ah. Interesting. All right. Um, Gina, what do you think? How hot would it be to play a soccer match, a 90-minute soccer game in um, without stopping in a sweater? That is determination, true grit. I like these Queensmark people. That's a really Ooh. smart Queensmark. Dear Queensmark, you're really smart. <laughs> Still going for the rhyme. Charlie, what do you think? I, I so thought Chris was about to say they got their uniforms all dirty, and that's why whenever there's an away team, they play in red instead of the normal color. Um, that would have been fun. But then he had to make up something about a choir. I don't know why. It, it was right there. The story told itself. Chris, right? 
I mean, that makes that almost makes me think that he's not bluffing because he didn't go for you know he he added too many details and it's like why did you need to do that? <laughs> That's it's like a little, it's a little widow it's a widow of a detail that doesn't match anything yeah, yeah, else yeah, exactly. like, yeah. <laughs> well that's a great segue into finding out what you guys think who is oh. tonight's bluffer uh charlie what what's so is is that your instinct you think chris might be telling the truth based on that little bit of information or... every time i've done this and gina's been on the the show it's always been Gina, and I always have never picked Gina. So oh. I'm going to pick Gina tonight. All right, fair. I would never lie to you, Charlie. I will never <laughs> lie to you. Unless you would you bluff? Unless <laughs> you've been picked as the bluff, apparently. Gina, speaking of you, what uh, what's your opinion? Well, I would think it was me to this week, too, because for two reasons. One, as my story did not have to do with uh, death. Well, nope, it did, I guess, technically. <laughs> it, all, it didn't have to do with Italy. No, I guess it technically did. Oh, yep, so I am the liar. No, <laughs> I, I do think, I think that it's Charlie because it's so good, I want to believe it first and second there is that weird thing about the choir he didn't have to put it in the story at all which leads me to believe that was a detail that meant something but not to the actual story he trimmed down so i do think it's charlie um i think uh chris is telling the truth i know i'm not the liar so that's my final answer so you think who is the charlie liar? charlie's the liar charlie's okay bluffing. so it's yes. a it's a it's a you did it no you did it sort of situation. Chris, Chris, time for a tiebreaker. Who do you think did it? Oh, and you know what? I'm actually tied because I think they're both bluffing. I, I, I you know Charlie, <laughs> Charlie with his amazing litany of names. I mean, I, you know, I, I just think he had a blast coming up with those names. He was probably sitting at, at dinner with his wife, coming up with you know names with her for this story. <laughs> But but I still can't get over Mother Teresa in first class. She would not do that. So I, even though I'm, I'm skeptical of Charlie's story, I'm going to say that I believe Gina is bluffing. Thank you, Chris. And I did write as I wrote my story. Chris will say this part is BS at that part. <laughs> Gina, you stand accused from all of your fellow historians, whereas Gina is accusing. Charlie. Now I don't know who wait, the bluff wait, wait, wait. is. I think what? Gina was accusing herself at the beginning and then decided that she <laughs> I was, but I'm not allowed to pick me, right? She's not like, allowed to pick yeah. Gina. <laughs> Officially she's not allowed, but she also thinks so yes, uh all of the historians think it was Gina, but Gina is officially saying that it's you, Charlie. So we do have at least one vote for Charlie. I don't know who it is, but our tech Adam does, right, Adam? That's right. I do, Alan, and I'm going to reveal it. Because I will share the knowledge you've all been wondering tonight. Was your bluff Charlie? Or was the bluff Chris? Or could the bluff have been Gina? <laughs> I and I alone know, ladies and gentlemen, the bluff tonight has been Chris. Oh! That's right. Well done, Chris. You evaded all detection. Perfect. Well played. Yes. Perfect score. Well done, Why Chris. did you say this? What, the choirs. Why? You tricked us. <laughs> that would have been too awesome. obvious. <laughs> you didn't want to make it too poetic. Clever Chris. And he evaded everyone's detection. Well done. Well done. Chris wins this episode of History Bluffs. And uh, we're very happy for him. 
So Chris, Wait, did I win though? Because I tricked everybody. Chris no? wins a free no. trip to the next episode of History Bluffs, and <laughs> we're we're going to uh, wrap it up, right, Tech Adam? That's right, Alan. Oh my God, it's been great, Alan. Thank you so much. You have been a fantastic host. We thank Charlie. We thank Gina. We thank Chris, the winner bluff of tonight. And don't forget, everybody, we are here every week. Come and join us, learn some history, and be bluffed or suss them out. You decide. Come and play. <laughs>